Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Brown. All right, pals. And Ben Roy Turner. I'm shocked. We're doing a podcast. It's raining and Scott isn't snoring. What's going it's on? I, mean, I was snoring last week. Thanks to both you guys for filling in. It was, it was a busy old time and I couldn't make it on. And I had too much dodgeball academia to play. And speaking of which, um, we thought we would do an early sort of roundup of where the general conversation is at on Game of the Year stuff. Because I feel like obviously 2021 has been, a ge- has been a year addled by a lack of big attention pulling games. But that's not to say that there aren't worthwhile titles out there. Um, and, you know, we've done, you guys put together a preview of what's coming for the rest of the year uh, last week. And we might, we might touch on those sort of things in a bit, but I kind of just thought we'd have a conversation on where everybody's game of the year, um, you know, what their nominations are, where they're sort of at in regards to like, oh my God, you need to play X from 2021. Um, I know let's let's start with everybody's favorite game, a game that no one has anything to say against, which is Returnal. I was going to say Resident Evil 8. It's actually Returnal because Josh Brown, this has been your game of the year since you played it, since you reviewed it. it really has and you know at the time i knew it was a strong um contender i I gave it in my review 4.5 stars out of five which if you've seen any of my other reviews before that it's very rare that i give that high of a score Mm -hmm. i think the only one that i've given that score before then was um, the last of us part two which we won't talk about now that was for last year's (laughs) podcast um but yeah returnal has just continued to impress me as the months have gone on and roy has been recently playing it as well roy turnal as it's now known um and that just made me kind of want to buy another playstation make another account oh. and play returnal yet again and try to you can't do this again you've just you've just put that- 70 hours into death stranding someone needs to say no <laughs> that's why it could be done again yeah i think this is just a spectacular game and looking at the games yet to come for the rest of the year i don't think there's one on there that's going to be strong enough to usurp it I, I i there's a lot of good games coming out but it will be a big surprise for me personally if this isn't my game of the year come december when we're having these conversations more officially because i just it'll think be it'll be a big surprise to me personally if it makes my top 10 i was amazed <sighs> Uh, you guys loved it so much. Actually, Ben Roy, where you are on Returnal? Because I know you've played quite a bit of it. I know that obviously I'm not a massive fan of it. It is just too hard. I hate it. I hate it. it's very soul, but it also hates me. So I don't really, it doesn't really matter. I just, it just, I just, it doesn't seem to like me at all. And so I've, I've tried, I've tried being friends with it. I tried extending the hand and shaking hands. It doesn't want it. So I don't want it either. Where, where are you? I'm, I, I would say I love it. Uh, the thing is, it's on a bit of, we're having a bit of a break at the moment because uh, there is, um, John Carlos Espinito is um, going to be staying at mine for a bit. And <laughs> um, big, uh, big old 
Sam Wake, Alan Lake, whoever you want to call him these days, he's coming over as well. So we've got we've got the boys over, and then uh, Returnal is going to come back in November. But the time I the weekend I put into it, hmm. I did one seven hour straight stint. I was like, I was like, how dare you think you're going to beat me? This what X part of this level. I was like, now I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you around behind the shed. I'm going to destroy you. And that just kept happening. So like, oh, I'll just do a little bit more. And then how dare this game thinks it can beat me? And how dare it give me a bad spawn of um, mystical uh, dragon boy? I, like these monk things that could just teleport around and stab you in the back. I'm like, oh God, just there's so much uh, bull crap in this game where you can just get that uh, one enemy's got a hit. This enemy has a slap and that does all your health. And another one, it's just like, you just smash through them. And then sometimes it is just like the luck of the draw. Well, Oh, well, I guess today I'm, well, I guess now I'm not going to get through it, but the next run, I'm just going to smash the game. And well, I, I kind that... of like that. I, I kind of like that towards it. Mm-hmm. And at the same times, I just like, whenever I get into a run, I'm getting into it and I'm just like, Again, how I said, how dare this game think it can be difficult in 2021 when I'm just, I'm, it's not happening. And now I'm going to teach it a lesson. I'm going to get the problem. And you can keep it down. You can do anything. I think my whole side of it is that sort of RNG side of it where like it just, it never really feels like I'm me- making any meaningful progress. It just kind of feels like I was doled out a better run. And then like at some point I'll just get completely murked because something on the other side of the map will shoot me or whatever it is. And I don't care that much about the story. I don't care that much about the, st- the, the characters or anything. And over time, the the RNG side of it just has felt like it just flattened me over time. Where I was like, you know what, I don't I don't care about your stupid mystery thing. It's just annoying. It's funny, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's funny because like if you guys you know told me a year ago that mm. my favorite game of 2021 would be a roguelike, I'd have said, interesting. Now leave me alone because I didn't like roguelikes that much at the time, and I had the exact same criticisms you just leveled at Returnal for Hades, even though that was a game I really mm. enjoyed was one of the best games of last year definitely i didn't enjoy it as much as other people seem to partly because of that um random element to it that i felt like some runs were wasted if i didn't get off to a good start i never got that in returnal primarily because i think it has a few hard um progression states as you go through its levels for instance um if you jump through a portal to a a biome it already starts the weapons at a certain level you know level five level ten and stuff so it has those elements to it where even if I did get a bad hand, quote unquote, bad hand, and not the hand I wanted to, I never felt like I was impeded in a way. And I never felt like I had a seven hour session lost. And the fact that I did those seven hour sessions so aggressively and so passionately, you know, into the early hours of the morning, you know, I talked on podcasts at the time about how it made me um, break my bedtime rule because I just couldn't bring myself <laughs> yes. away from it because I needed to finish those runs. Like the fact that a roguelike got to me in that way is just un- unfathomable for Josh of one even two years ago. Like I would <laughs> never expect that to happen in a million mm-hmm. years. Past 10 p.m. Brown is a is a <laughs> rarely seen beast. Uh, beast, But yeah, I mean, that's the whole thing with Return Light. I Because there's that kind of hard bit, like you said, there are points in the game where different things change like forever kind of thing. And once, there's like six biomes in total, I think. And once you get past half of them, you can then start from halfway into the overall progression. Um, but I think it's just like a checkpoint thing. For me, it was just, I got past that halfway mark. I got all the way to what is the final biome. And then I finally died. And then I went all the way back to that midpoint again. And it was just too much. It was too much of a run. It was too much of a thing to lose. Um, and it's what ultimately put me off Hades. And maybe it is my personal subjective problem with 
roguelikes overall. The more story you build into a roguelike, the more annoyed and more annoyed I'm going to be that I'm losing progress in that story. Um, because like I said, that the there is a mysterious hook to this. There is something with the main character where you want to know exactly what's going on. And the thing that you get served up at that halfway mark is really cool and does for me at least made me go like, oh God, fine, I do want to know. But that's always up against the reality of just how much it will slap you into the ground and hold you there and just yeah. kind of go like, well, do it all again then. And I'm just like, actually, <laughs> no, I'd rather play 12 other things that are out right now. I don't want to let this game beat me because I've no other game has ever beaten me. Like I've never really, I've never like given up altogether, like managed to get through Sekiro, all the Souls games, whatever it is. Um, so it's, it's, I'm going to get there. I just, I'm going to hate every second of doing it, but it's, it's a thing. No you games beat. For... It's not going to beat me either. I'm afraid. Like mm. you wait when November comes around, and this will be the only thing I'm talking about, unless for some reason <laughs> I'm still stuck in GTA Three or something. But yeah, yes. I think the reason why Returnal drew me in more than Hades is, is because just Saint Compat is weird. It, it looks to me like a Prometheus game for one one thing, mm. and then it's also got like the goopy lion monsters out of um, Lived I Repeat at one point. <laughs> in that first early section. So it feels like that, that mesh together and something about it being a shooter clicks for me more than anything else. I just, my, my big, big problem is I wish you could just be like, I'd like give me one of every gun I've, I've touched so far at the beginning at the basic level and just let me grab the assault rifle show in. Just and That's don't give, thing. don't give me shotguns. I don't want shotguns when everything <laughs> gets so far. Like, it's, it's, the that, like that, that it's a dumb thing. weapon to have, man. Especially when things fly around, you can't get them. It's like, oh, that's the, what's the? It's called the rot launcher or the glob launcher or something. That it, like poison getting the bin launch damage thing. No, what? no, no. Well, no, I've heard that that's like the way, but oh god, that's it, man. That. Like that, like the uh, one one called like something something driver. It's like an electric gun that you like link together. All of these guns start quite bad, but then you upgrade them, and then the best things since sliced bread, the Hollow Seeker, Benroy. Oh, I love the Hollow that. Seeker. That thing's great. Yeah. Yeah. That in the later biomes just absolutely wrecks every single what, fool ever. What does that, kind of, what does that do? Is it's it that like big a homing machine launch? gun thing with like loads yeah, of like a, with, with a billion bullets? Yeah. Yes, it's a big. I LMG think I, I've used that. Yeah, I think I've used that. When it gets upgraded, like, you get like homing uh, bullets, so you barely even have to aim. It just sort of goes straight to them. You get like these extra things on the side. Rex. The thing with the game, because obviously it's always the case with roguelikes where they're going to batter you into a fine paste, but there is, if you stick with it, there's a slow cog that eventually turns and you get that feeling of progression. You get that feeling of reward. And I feel like the way that Returnal does it is it's weapon-specific upgrade things where you're banking different levels for the weapon. So that next time you pick something up, um, you're picking up a level five weapon. And you can have that, you know, later bio and power up earlier, and then you can move fast and keep going and that's that's that overall cog that turns for returnal and i feel like that's the thing that is incredibly satisfying when it all starts to work but you can put I... up with a lot of stuff before that starts to happen can i do my favorite humble brag every time yes. we talk about this the fact game, that you did the whole that... game in one go yeah more or less is that yeah. in the review when i was doing it i was kind of stressed out one of my big um criticisms was that some of the progression didn't quite hit because you know celine's there and she's like we're at the end of biome three and she's like oh it's been such a long arduous journey you know we've, we've died so many times and i'm kind of there like have we i've died according to the clock this is what times. broke hades as well didn't yeah it didn't i didn't get that connection to the character in the same way that i did in another game we might talk about later on because the loop wasn't there for me in the early game especially mm. it did creep in later on but my kind of flex in this is that i was so good so such a pro gamer that that didn't quite resonate with me as got much a little t-shirt on pro gamer with an arrow that points up yeah. that's that's <laughs> you wearing that with honor but i mean this this and hades you blitzed through to the point where you broke their stories 
Where, like, there's, a, there's supposed to be a level of struggle that you're just like, nah. Well, crap at every other game and i just apparently <laughs> am good at these <laughs> don't worry about it but yeah i think like that's that's kind of the thing with return is this sort of clockwork mechanism of like perfected roguelike mechanics but at the same time like it took them a while to sort of settle on the version of the game they wanted the whole world to use like they were they went back and forward on the checkpoint side of it they went back and forward on some of the drop rate stuff um, and i feel like it's in a better state now than it was at launch obviously like you said you didn't really struggle with it anyway but the version that me and ben roy are playing through now is tweaked a bit um which is an interesting thing in regards to like you know like if you're the developers, how easy do you actually want people to get through this? Like at some point, you're going to tweak the drop rates and let people get through. Because um, the, there was a time when the trophy data, was, the percentages were so small and hardly anybody was actually seeing that thing through. Um, another game, though, that is, um, I think, collectively, it's almost definitely going to be our game of the year is Resident Evil 8. And I've had all sorts uh, of thoughts uh, <laughs> on this game, but I know that it's Ben Roy's game of the year by far. Mr. Ben Roy, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's weird because um, in a way, I feel like almost... Resident Evil 2 Remake is a better game than this in my brain. Oh, it it probably is. But that, that wasn't my game of the year that year. But it just so happens the hand we've been dealt this year where it seems we're getting all the films we want to watch now, but all the games are kind of like, ah, we, we'll see you next year, lad. But yeah, mm-hmm. Resident Evil uh, Village 8, the eighth village of Resident Evil, just for me, hit on so many points and didn't disappoint to me like... I was scared it was going to go open world at one point. I'm just like, get open world out of my life and let's get a bit more focused. We don't all need to have a massive world. Please, please, please. And it, it was condensed enough and it felt, and it, being lazy, it felt enough like Resident, like Resident Evil 4 and Resident Evil 7 came together, kissed and had a baby. And then we kind of got that game, but with mm. like super graphics, this was my first sort of like, proper playstation 5 experience i mean i did play hitman 3 on ps5 but i mean that basically just felt like a prettier version of uh two whereas just going into the castle i mean there, there are points in this game where it it kind of like fails i think a bit well, like the castle section should be bigger or you should be allowed to go back there uh, it does the it does the one of the last areas is, is a bit boring even though heisenberg's kind of interesting and Though it never really felt dangerous to me because it all, even on like, I'm going to do a Josh Brown here, playing on hard, I just was like, well, you know what? I can just shoot you in the face and I'm pretty good at that. So <laughs> you can't get me. But then um, I wouldn't have been able to do Village of Nightmares uh, or, the, or whatever the hardest of course without unlimited Magnum because mm. it takes, what, like 50 or 60 shots to the final boss, I'm going to say. And just, yeah, for, for me, I, I could go on for this forever, but I'm just going to let it float now over to you, Scott. What, well, the thing is, I, back I feel at me like, with this. you know, in the last few years, like especially with Resident Evil, I feel like Resident Evil 2 sort of reawake, reawakened that side of Resident Evil games where you're going yeah. through your unlock and stuff, you're replaying it, and it's like this liquid butter game where it's just, it's just perfect to play. It's perfectly like paced, and you can just kind of burn through it. And Resident Evil 8, for me, like, I, I'm, I'm not going to shy away from the fact I thought it was a cataclysmic letdown on the script front and the story front, but in terms of playing it, um, it was absolutely perfect. Like, it was the first time this whole year where I just thought to myself, it was the bit about the halfway mark when you come out of um, the Silent Hill style level. There's a whole sort of level set in like a dollhouse type place yeah. um, where it goes like full on corridor crawling horror, um, which, is, which is like immaculately done. And it was after that when you sort of return to the open world stuff or the slightly more open world stuff. And you're just sort of hoovering up some crafting components. You're taking on some different, there's like a big mutant pig that comes after you at one point. And I was just kind of doing this stuff and I was in the world and I had my three shotguns because I like to hold a few shotguns. And I had all my different God. things. <laughs> you just reminded me of your inventory screen that you sent <laughs> we'll, us. We'll get there in a sec. But I had this moment where I was just like, I was revisiting the world. I was getting back out there after this sort of like serious, more closeted part of the game. 
And I just kind of had this feeling of like, this is so well done. Like I, I wish that the stuff with Lady Dimitres was longer um, overall. And I think that I wish that they didn't go so banana sandwich ridiculous with the ending part of it. I think when as much fun as a big mech fight can be, um, or like, you know, ostensibly yeah. a big mech fight, um, that did lose me. And I, and I also don't think that that much of it was very intense or scary necessarily, but there's a specific strand of camp that Resident Evil does better than anyone. And once you tie that in with really snappy arcade style gameplay and gunplay, um, that makes it so playable. And I feel like they played to their strengths. And I love how many risks they took with like the werewolves, like I said, and like the PT, the Silent Hill type stuff. Um, and it does really come together as much as I really think that it, it it's arse falls off towards the end. Um, I was such a fan of everything until that back third. Um, and yeah, I had all three shotguns because I don't know what I'm going to need to upgrade them. I have no idea. So I remember when I sent you guys the inventory screen and you know, <laughs> both of you were just like, why have you got three shotguns? I, and I, why wouldn't I have three shotguns? I ask you. I turned around to my um, girlfriend during that moment and I said, he's got three shotguns. And she said, well, that means nothing to me. I don't know what you're about. What's that mean? And I was like, this is insane. Trust me, this is crazy. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you have three shotguns? It's a village surrounded by werewolf zombies. What if, if I need? had three shotguns and no bullets. What three if you take different ammo? No that I, don't, I don't know, do I? No one told me. No Resident Evil shotguns have taken different ammo since the <laughs> early days, man. Like since four. I could have blunt you playing four and keeping every single gun there. And it's like, oh my... When I, I when don't I even remember that, why like, I kept all three. I just it was something to do with like the fire rates or my assumption of fire rates. It, it was like um, it's one of those moments where I had to dip out just to Josh for a second. And go, am I mad? Is he doing this for a laugh? <laughs> and then go back in there like. No, he's just he's just got three <laughs> shotguns for some reason. I, I just found don't it out. I, I knew that three shotguns was your button, and I was going to push that exact <laughs> button. But um, I don't want to be that oh. that. But by the sounds of the troubles you were having, and then it, it was alleviated, thank God. Yes. But like it sounded like that's probably why the trouble was there in some not not in the story. Well, that was the like, final boss. That was like combat, that yeah. was yeah. I kept dying to the final boss. But my overall problem is the way that they write Chris and the hook and the marketing and the lies and all that kind of stuff. I think that that's a whole separate thing to the it's, gameplay for and, me. You know. You just got to see it like Metal Gear. You've just got it's anime, isn't it? It's basically just mm. anime for people that don't realize they like anim anime to a point. Just... Where like Chris was punching boulders, and now he there's almost magic stuff at the end of that game. And like, the, the, I'm glad that the werewolves weren't magic werewolves, and it was explained away as little as as little as In it the was. Most with, obvious with way science. they could have done it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like just give me science and make sure it's a sciencey fiction thing more than magic. But mm -hmm. for me, this is. Resident Evil, they're doubling down on like we're not going to go back to the world of six just yet, so everyone can chill out. I'm like, now, now like... let's get the remake of four out of the way and hope Capcom don't go, wait a minute, what if we just all of a sudden went back into action? Well, that's the thing, if they're <laughs> revisiting the old ones, what if they start bringing in the strands that come from RE8 and then filter them back through and try and tie it all in together that way? But yeah, overall, the tonally, I think it's like Metal Gear is a good comparison because I would say that Resident Evil 8 has Metal Gear Solid 5 level writing. As opposed to, yeah. it's not like I went in expecting something amazing, but there's a, even if you go across the Metal Gear series, five is notably more wacky, let's say, than the other stuff. It was funny um, going through all of, well, not all of the Resident Evils, but I went through Resident Evil 7, I went through mm. Resident Evil 3 Remake, went through Code Veronica, went through a bunch of them. And then I was kind of like thinking in terms of Resident Evil script in particular, and I was like, nah, you know what? Like we should expect more perhaps, you know, especially from like the, the trails. So maybe we should expect more from Resident Evil. But in terms of Resident Evil storytelling, I was like, it might be the Citizen Kane of this franchise. Oh. <laughs> it might, be, it might be the best <laughs> of the bunch. Because going off Code Veronica, especially, man, like that game is fun. That game is a hell of a I was lot waiting. of fun. Oh, this it's, is... it's, it's woof. The script in that game and the performances in that game, man, like they are 
it's not that they've not not you know yeah it's not that they've not had terrible moments before but i think building a whole campaign around oh my god why is this happening and then the explanation being so flat and terrible um stood out to me but i don't think it's a mark overall on recommending that game yeah because there's way more recommendable qualities to it say that these games are like i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I feel like I'm not trying to defend it. It's like it for me, they're gameplay first mm. and they're more law centric than I would say story. Like I'm well into the law, right? Yeah. But like at the same time, that is, is more of a, a law thing than a, like a well-crafted story. Mm. As I said earlier, like if this was like, say a cat, like again, like the last of us or another um, story that I can't seem to think of right now, because there weren't really many out this Something year. Something more reputable. But, yeah, then I would be a bit more into that sort of way. But when I know it's like they probably thought, well, they probably thought level first and enemies first, and then 
wove the story in there and what we've got in the past and that sort of that grenade that i was waiting for josh to jump onto called resident evil co veronica and i knew and i was waiting for these reactions as for a long time man when it finally got announced that he was playing i was like good you activated your trap card i think i mean yeah yeah, i just as you know for me it's it's toddler level script writing for resident evil i expected something and they had nothing at all and it doesn't it's not that it's not the last of us but i just think that what they went with is like like i think it's horrendous but like there was a gut punch at the end i feel like yeah like bits and pieces i think this is a whole separate it... thing because we did do the the spoiler thing as well but yeah it's a it's a hell of a game anyway it would have been i think it's gonna sweep one last thing it would have been a lot better if the one of the revelations they put in there they also followed up within that game and it's not mm. ever going to be dlc or just forgotten about you like wait a minute is this happening and then just don't don't forget about that it's like, what? <laughs> well there's yeah, that big we're dancing around for like the way that it ends, the sort of several bits and pieces that come from that and the different strands they potentially tease going forward. I think it's going to be uh, telling what they do with that stuff going forward, whether or not it feels like 7, 8, and 9 is a more cohesive trilogy than maybe it feels like right now. But we will see. Um, the other game that I've got down, um, at least towards the top of, you know, based on when we sort of put our initial rankings together before we were recording, um, is Hitman 3, um, which we can talk about quite quickly. It is just more Hitman, but at the same time, it is more of that meticulous, um, you know, clockwork level design with just some of the experts in sort of semi-open world gameplay putting together the best stealth game of in recent memory, really. Totally. I think, you know, Hitman 3 and Hitman 2 and Hitman 1, you know, as mm. a full package is just incredible value, like the amount you get from that. But for me personally, um, this sequel, even though I really, really enjoyed Hitman 2, um, it just felt like a step up in terms of confidence and production values. Like IO Interactive knows how to craft an engaging stealth sandbox where you can get creative, you can do whatever you want, you can follow the scripted um, assassinations if you want. But this time around, they did it with a level of polish and with a level of cinematic flourish that I don't think Hitman 2 had or even necessarily needed. But, you know, Mm -hmm. from the opening moments of Hitman 3 when you're on that huge skyscraper and that mint-as-all-hell score comes in and the visuals are awesome, you know, it looks great with ray tracing, it looks great in 60 frames per second on next-gen consoles. Like... Um, the touches that they brought to that game in terms of the presentation just elevated it for me to a whole new level where I mm. could just look at it and be like, this is gorgeous, you know, going to that Skyfall-esque um, level where you're in the big um, manor and like the moors or yeah. whatever, you know, like the the artwork on that level is just incredible. Like, will stay with me when we're rounding up in December properly, I'll be remembering those images that I left ingrained in my brain. And it's almost like it's weird because Hitman 3, you almost take the gameplay for granted because we know it's good. We know it's going to be excellent. And it is excellent here that the only thing I can really comment on are those kind of slight new touches that it added in terms of the presentation, I suppose. It's not to just be like have a big old moan cast, but I do think they dropped the ball in regards to what they set up in two. And I don't think like super spoilery, but they do set up a massive reveal at the end of Hitman 2 in regards to 47 and Diana's history. And then they largely swipe that to the side and then just kind of crack on with the stuff they were going to do. And there's a character that's been built up across the rebooted Hitman and Hitman 2 that is just kind of cast aside so they can wrap stuff up a lot more neater than I feel like they were initially going to. As you know, Scott Telford, I in the only time in my life when I first played through Hitman 2, skip the cutscenes because I didn't oh! care about them that much. And I was obviously since I didn't know that, thanks them. for reminding me. Yeah, but it was because I played the levels out of order. I played that as kind of like just something to dip into, whereas this time I actually played through it linearly for the first time and got the story. And I was like, sure, that's a story, all right. That is <laughs> oh, certainly God. a story I... with some bald dudes in it. Oh. I would say again, Hitman is more of a lore game than a story game. But for me... For when it, the story actually properly like it, it kicked off in two, and we mm-hmm. like got some stuff in one, and 
but the, the relationship so good the relationship i'm talking about sorry the original hitman 2 oh, sorry not yeah, so not that. hitman 2 new 2 but um at the same time i feel like it fitted because i feel like diana and 47 are so professional in the way they left off and it's all like diana for me i mean it's been 20 years of these two characters pretty much been together and i feel like she yeah. knew what 47 was like so i could sort of see it go around there the new character um sort of like disappearing into the dust it's kind of like is that it but then at yeah. the same time there's only room in these game especially these because these are level delivery systems and there's only room for story between uh the level uh, between levels to not to not mess up too much so you can't just jump back in mm -hmm. so i mean poor lucas he could have had a better like sort of um his story could have ended a better way but at the same time the it just feels like i'm so happy for hitman and 47 for io after 20 years hitman's finally getting it sort of like spotting this in the limelight not only just from like fans as such but the sales and everything else and this is like helping them boost on upon to the new james bond game they're doing and it just felt like this is a nice sort of bow on 47's journey for a while and after we could have never had this game ever again our if um, square enix were not dumb and gone like now nah, we're going to keep the <laughs> we're going to keep the hitman license and we're going to put it in i don't know final fantasy somewhere it's going to be cloud's going to be a little cloud's going to get a key, key blade somehow and then he's going to go and get smack 47 around the face and then they're done i would but take we didn't. that to be honest i would take it i would take whatever they wanted to do with it but at the same time io interactive going independent with it was by far the best thing that they could have done i think that and um, when you go back to blood money as well for as much as that was like the best hitman at the time it's very clear now that the current trilogy especially you know if you just go with hitman 3 you can plug in hitman 2 and one's different level packs and um, it is easily the best the hitman's ever been like it eclipses yeah. the old ones even as much as we used to like blood money and stuff um, but yeah, Hitman 3, um, another stellar offering. That actually came out way back in like January, which feels yes, like a lifetime crazy. ago. The, the lockdown time distortion is real. Um, next game down is Deathloop. But again, not to be Mr. Moni, Moni Monford, <laughs> but I just, none of these games have, have, have rattled the old, well, they have rattled the cage, but I just don't, they're not my thing. But, but Deathloop though, you guys both love it. I'm really excited because this is four games in a row now, four game of the year contenders, <sighs> lest we forget that you've gone. I'm not sure about this. They're sort maybe... of by default game of the year contenders. Like I saw any app released this year is a game of the year contender. So it's, you know. <laughs> I will let Ben Roy take this first because obviously- He planned um, it. Almost I did in, a review in an of afternoon. it. And I, I haven't um... actually heard what Ben Roy thinks of this since mm. you finished it. It's weird. Uh, Deathloop was a weird one where you start off and you get it. For me, it started off rocky and I was like, okay what's what's going on here and then when i realized kind of like uh to, to be reductive and down, okay it's five it's four maps and they slightly change a little bit like throughout the time okay so now now i've got that my, that mechanical part of my head what we're doing next uh there's not so much of a point for me to walk around these maps after the first time going into them sorry that's sacrilege to some people but i feel like it, there isn't and now i'm just once i turn this into a purely mechanical experience with the funny quips coming at me every now and then between the two lead characters uh i really sort of like got into it and yeah i just got into platinum mode like well i could just destroy this game and i could also uh when this game wasn't open to the public because for some reason i got this delivered early thank the gods mm -hmm. uh went in there and i destroyed several um which i guess were twitch streamers or journalists because that weren't wasn't probably out and it was so nice just leave my game open and wait for people to come in there and just teach them lesson look mate you can't you can't you can't hang with me you got the son. poison bullets you got the you got the fart bullets fart, they, fart gas all over them 
fighting all over them. They choke to death, and I take their stuff, and I carry on to victory. For me, <laughs> this game was it was a it was a joy to look at, and it was a joy to sort of get within the clockwork system. Mm. But after about a week, I don't think it would have stuck with me if I hadn't got a platinum. My thing was just I just I just can't get the gameplay loop in it. Like I just can't. It's like like you said, it's, it's four levels. You dip in, you go over here, you read a document. Okay, now if you go to this place, you can shoot this guy, and you go do that, and then you do exactly that, and then you go somewhere else. And I just I don't get it. Like I don't get what people love so much about it. I don't get the feeling. I don't get the Hitman style feeling that if I change one thing over here, it has this massive causal effect elsewhere. It just feels really. It feels like a whole bunch of smoke and mirrors, bells and whistles to hide the fact that you're doing very specific objectives on quite small, repetitive maps. Like, I just, that's the thing that I can't shake. And it's not to say that it's terrible across the board. I love the presentation, the music, the characters, and the script overall and the concept. But I have not seen the thing that makes it a masterpiece. Like, when I'm seeing people say it's 10 out of 10, all that kind of stuff, I don't see that at all. No part of the game has given me that at all. Um, And so that's my side of it, where it just hasn't clicked with me whatsoever. But I know that's completely different to, especially you, Josh. Yeah, it's an, it's a really interesting one because even I don't think it's a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Mm. I think it's very good. I'd probably give it, if I had to score it on that scale, I'd probably give it like a really solid eight. You know, I right. thought it, I really enjoyed my time with so it. I, I, funnily I enough, did, yeah. <laughs> I did enjoy the loop. Like that was another game that I couldn't stop playing because it gave me this kind of kick up the backside to do one more run, to do one more day, to try this map out in this certain time, to follow these, this objective and kind of explore. I thought the world itself for me was was incredibly interesting. And I like the variance of the maps and I never actually got bored and going around within them. However, I often wonder when it comes to arcane games, especially mm. with the exception of Prey, that sometimes they're let down because of me because of a failure of imagination on my part you know i was watching um actually what you recommended to me um benroy the uh, no clip documentary on prayer and the developers in there essentially were saying that you know sometimes we give the player so many options that we actually run the risk of i might be the dishonored one but it was definitely one of the one of their games that we run the risk of um making them pick an optimum play style and just having them repeat it over and over again once you find Mm -hmm. the three um abilities that are the most efficient players will stick with them and they kind of talked about the struggles of encouraging people to experiment i often feel like i'm one of those players who once i figure out a good way to do something and i'm getting rewarded for doing that i can't think in a different way so i'm not using the toolbox to its maximum um creative ability and that's kind of the issue i have with deathloop but it's i do think it's more of an issue on me because they do give me those encouragements but i just often don't take them because i, I like what i like that feels like such a like it, like it i'm gonna use the word failing but that feels like something that they should be doing though like a really good developer would force you into those mindsets and would encourage a level of experimentation that you get it in hitman like it, like you know other games that have these sort of clockwork mechanism mentalities i just i feel like, like you said in deathloop it's like i've had the same weapons the same power-ups since they started working like why would i change them i know that they work other than just the the sheer level of like i'll change this power up for the sake of it but you don't need to you can just run up to a dude and shoot him in the face and then do the next objective again that's it i mean you you certainly don't need to but it's kind of like you know i have to give the developers credit because they know that it's not going to click in that way with everyone Mm -hmm. but the people it does click with and the people who realize that yeah they don't need to but they want to Mm -hmm. that's when it becomes like a really special experience it's kind of like with some role-playing games like you don't need to role-play you don't need to play change things around i I fully understand what you're saying because i Mm -hmm. like i said i feel that too but i feel like in terms of deathloop especially after seeing that 
um, documentary about how they made prey. Like I can see where they've tried to rectify it in limiting the amount of abilities. Like you only have four or so in, in this game and it gives you a smaller pool, but it makes them more complex. You have more options to use them in the way that they tie the powers in the power-ups for those powers to specific characters. So you're encouraged to assassinate them again and again, but obviously the implication is that you should be trying to assassinate them in different ways rather than just yeah. repeating the same runs. So I think they definitely tried to, and I can see why people will just bounce off that. Like in a way, in some ways I did, in some ways I didn't, but yeah, it's kind of, it's always hard to gauge a game by that because it's like, how how much should these games hold your hand? How much should they mm. signpost this stuff when a, when a huge part of the fun is experimenting and getting those eureka moments for yourself? Like you don't just, want those ruined. It's a it's a difficult balance. No, totally. I wish there was just some part of some level where I looked at a setup of NPCs or a boss or something and I went like, oh man, if I had this power, I could do this. Or like, oh man, if I had this weapon, I could do this. Because I, th- I feel like you see that in Deus Ex or you see that in Hitman. Um, or you see all these different ways that you could be playing. And I feel like Deathloop doesn't give you that. And maybe that's because I haven't... I mean, I've done about seven to eight hours of it. I keep going back mm. to it because I'm like, I must be missing something. And I feel like I'm, I'm quite far through it now because it is just a case of getting all of the eight main targets to a certain point, then you get to kill all of them. But it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where, and I know this is full on moaning, but I just, it just doesn't work for me at all. And it's kind of like annoying because I get that it's a massive deal, but I just, it's not clicking with me whatsoever. Um, but I still think it'll come up a lot towards the end of the year. For me, it was, it was, there was either nothing fully all came together in a way like I, I did get into like mechanically but either the maps weren't substantial enough for me at some points or like some of the the, the ai is never really a challenge at all that too the movements are really weird the, the only place that is i would say difficult i'm not saying games should be difficult but the 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 castle where everyone's wearing those masks like that's the only point where you're like you can't just go around and go shooting like willy-nilly you're, you're gonna get you're going to get done in. You might as well jump into the grinder. But for me, it, I like once I got the um, the advanced needle gun, and oh, what is, it? is it a needle gun? Would you call it a needle gun? You yeah, it's like a silence gun. Thing. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, the rapier that shot and explodes around, and then I would just cycle out. Like if I had the invasion turned on, I'd fart gas gun on me just in case to fart on everyone. But yeah, once I sort of I got my loadout, it was pretty much i'm sneaking around i'm zipping up a, up around the rooftops i'm breaking necks as casually as i can mm-hmm. i'm also linking people together and then killing like say 10 people with one headshot which is so satisfying there's so much satisfying uh, elements to this and so many great moments but at the same time I feel like there was just like it was a bit like uh, the, the squash was a bit watery, man. It needs a not bit more. Like, yeah, that, it, need, it needs to be fun. a bit stronger for me. Yeah, yeah. And um, that, that power ups in Dishonored too, but like in Dishonored too, if you launch someone, they all get launched, which I was looking forward to doing in this, but then it's not that. I was a bit upset when this wasn't like a linear sort of first person shooty game in like the what, are we seventies aesthetic or is it sixties? Is it a blender? Both I'd say. And going through that, I was a bit upset when there wasn't. A proper full-on story game but the end of it i didn't come out disappointed i just came out like eh, maybe if they didn't <laughs> want to see them building some of that stuff but i would mm. rather see another prey prey was just so perfect to me in the arcane style and i, I dipped in dishonored so ever so slightly but for me prey is 
what I want from them, but I guess Prey doesn't sell. So it's moving on trying to do something different. It is interesting because, yeah, my favorite arcane game is the first Dishonored. That was the one that I just played to death and nothing's clicked since then. But I've like, I've wanted that feeling to come back. I need to go back to the first Dishonored and see if I can rekindle what that was. Um, but yeah, overall, it feels like those um, four games are pretty much going to be the top ones that will get bandied about for Game of the Year. Um, to throw in some other ones, because um, we're out of time, but to throw in some other ones, um, we'll be Ratchet and Clang Rift Apart, Sable, The Medium, Forgotten City, 12 Minutes, Kane and Bridge of Spirits. Um, and obviously going forward very recently or very soon, there'll be Metro Dread, Far Cry 6, and then moving into the end of the year, there'll be Halo Infinite, Call of Duty, Battlefield 2042. So there's quite a lot in there. Um, I feel like this year has obviously struggled with something that a lot of us look at and go, oh my God, it's definitely that. Um, but at the same time, that makes it more interesting because I feel like across the board, between us and every other outlet that will be doing it, um, it's going to be hard to call a game of the year or it might be quite interesting. Or, you know, it could be, like, I, I would love something like Sable to get it because I feel like that would be insane if that, mm. if that gets it. Um, but a lot of these games, because they are so solid or they are so uh, multifaceted, any one of them could be game of the year, which in itself is quite... Yeah, so man. like Metal, not Metal Gear Mass Effect took up a massive part of this year as well and I'm just remembering that was a thing even though it's not this year's game so it's just so confusing but mm. I just want to know what Josh has to say before we press stop <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say like all of those games you mentioned there I mean especially Battlefield for me like I said before I don't think Returnal is going to be pushed up the top spot mm. but in terms of my personal list anything's fair game for second third fourth fifth on to 10 up to 20 you know what i mean like all of those could change within the space of a month within the space of maybe mm. even four days by the time far cry and everything comes out on, on that day so well, it's, it's like, uh like, it's an exciting I, um final quarter yeah going off the um the flighting as well like i don't have an, an all-out game of the year like I'm, I'm defaulting to resident evil 8 in terms of how i felt when i was playing it um, in terms of what I've played the most of, it will be Dodgeball Academia. And then overall, I think it'll end up being Halo Infinite because that game is so solid. Providing the campaign isn't on fire, I think it'll be that. But um, that'll just be something to wait for for the rest of the year. Um, but for now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Ben Turner. The rain has started again. Time to <laughs> sleep. And Josh Brown. <laughs> Goodbye. And we'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Night. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style, and you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. 
The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.